Welcome to Don't Be an Idiot Podcast. Conversations that inspire? Question mark? Like, yeah, maybe. They yeah, might. yeah. This is Caleb, and that's Jake. What's going on, guys? And uh, well, Jake, let's just uh, start off by diving right into it and saying, what is? Why did you? Why do we call it this? What? What is? Don't be an idiot. All about. Yeah, so uh, if you've been around youth ministry with me, uh, maybe you've heard some of our students say this. So early on, this was really, I, I don't like rules. Caleb knows this yeah. about me. I, yes. I don't love to do a lot of rules. <laughs> I like to kind of bend the rules, you know. Bend, break, break whatever you call violate, it. Violate, throw away. So really, I only had one rule when we went anywhere to these <laughs> students, and it was, hey, don't be an idiot. Right. Uh, and I can't take credit <laughs> for it, right? I can't take credit. Yeah, yeah, because it comes from, what, like, your favorite show ever. Yes, uh, The Office. And possibly one of the most memorable TV characters. Yes, Dwight in The Office. Actually, I got it queued up for you guys, this scene. I'm not even sure how we're supposed to do this, but we're going to play something on YouTube (laughs) for you. And uh, this is what it comes from. So here here we go. What is the most inspiring thing I ever said to you? Don't be an idiot. Changed my life. Whenever I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? And if they would, I do not do that thing. (laughs) I do not do Intrig- that. Th- I do not do that thing. Yeah. So uh, that, that's where it comes from. I, I look at students and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm not expecting a lot of you. <laughs> I'm just expecting the minimum of you. And the, that's not be an idiot. So, so just as we, as we think about this, what, what's an example of a time when a student was like, hey, you got to use this without using names, uh, protecting the innocent, right? We've got to do that here. Uh, I'm I'm kind of surprising you with this one. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. I, I think about one a couple of years ago. Uh, if you know me too, I, I hate pranks. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm letting out my worst secret is if they, you prank me, I don't prank back. Yeah, because it always escalates, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it always gets. It's it's one of my camp <laughs> rules, and so you know, don't be an idiot would include like, hey, don't take someone else's clothes and throw them in the bathroom floor where they get wet, and then I have to go get them dried, and this kid doesn't have clothes anymore, nice. right? Uh, I'm not. I don't yell at yell the students. I, I don't get too too angry. But that was one of those moments. I was like, I, I'm gonna kill this kid. That's what's gonna happen. Because uh, you had to go in and like rescue the kid's clothes and, yes. and go. Uh, and, and camp is you know is already a, such a cool thing. You, you don't want to interrupt it with something as silly as as a silly little prank. So nice. Don't be an idiot. Right. Don't be an idiot. Okay. Don't, so, so don't then go ha- into the girls' dorm, boys. Girls don't <laughs> go into the boys. Right. Like things things like that. Okay. So what? How does that apply to us here? And why do a podcast with this is the title? Yeah, really, if you think about why Caleb and I are doing this, uh, if you were to sit in the office with Caleb and I, you would know that significant parts of our weeks, and it always has been like this, like Caleb and I have kind of sat and gone back and forth. Both of us are processing, we process through conversation and have to figure things out. And so sometimes that conversation is lively. Sometimes it's it, we're totally agreeing. Sometimes one of us is just arguing because, you know, we didn't like the look <laughs> of the other guy's face that day. Yeah. And, and really what we are, you know, are just two pastors who are trying to figure it out. Mm. Uh, and, and what that means is like, man, at a base level, we just don't want to be idiots. Like, right. We don't want to necessarily be perfect, but we don't want to fail in such a way where we're like, man, that dude is straight up an idiot. And I mean, honestly, our <laughs> with the social media world and lots of podcasts and lots of media information out there, there's plenty of examples of people who fail in spectacular ways. And so I guess uh, what uh, my goal is here is to just encourage and inspire us. It's okay to fail. Just don't do it spectacularly. Don't do it spectacularly. Limit the failures yeah. to something that's 
uh, not super spectacular, uh, not extraordinary, not life crushing, really. Uh, but on the other side of that, too, I think as pastors, very, very specifically, I, I feel pretty passionate about this, and, and Christians, too, I, I think the world looks at us, and when we fail, man, we're so easily be like, look, they serve a God who they say is perfect. They're supposed to be perfect. Mm. They're not supposed to fail. Right. And, and Christians maybe be the worst at this. Christians mm. eat each other alive anytime that we stumble. Like, failure is okay. Yeah. It, it's going to be okay. Well, it's inevitable. You know, what would be, you know what would be fun? Let's tell some stories about some of our failures. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. Yeah, by fun, I'm using air quotes here. Yes. Yeah, fun. Normally, or, or an idea that we've had for the podcast is an idiot of the week. I'm not sure what we did this week. But we're going to tell a couple stories about ourselves just oh, so yeah. that we know that we're going to be nominated for idiot of the week this Ab- week. Oh, so, so. many times. Uh, so, Caleb, how about we start? So, the other day, Caleb, you were <laughs> you sent me a picture the other day. Yeah, I, I group text you failure. and another dude, uh, another guy in our small group, uh, a picture of just – so, I had a drawer in my house break. And I'm like, dude, I know how to fix this. I've totally got this. It's a drawer. How complicated is it, right? So I, I get the new drawer built, and I've got it all clamped together, and I'm gluing it, and I'm, I go to air nail it. And on one section of the drawer, I literally miss every single nail hitting the other piece. So it's poking through. The nails are poking through into the drawer. So I had to send a picture to my friends and be like, dude, epic fail right here. Like, so shameful. And every guy who's ever swung a hammer has had this feeling. Oh, yeah, yeah. You swing a hammer in front of a bunch of dudes, like, you, you, better, be, <laughs> you better be good at it, right? Uh, but it got worse, uh, cause he, so once I finally got the drawer all built, I went to go and install it and it just was not working out. I, I think I must've not gotten the drawer squared up cause it just would not fit in the new track and I could not figure it out. Uh, so you guys received a second, uh, picture. Um, my wife had very graciously removed the children from the kitchen area as dad was trying to work and, and fix this drawer. Uh, so the, the guy's got a picture the next day of the new drawer smashed to pieces, pieces. (laughs) pieces. uh, more than 10 pieces in in my memory, I'm sure it wasn't, but it was, it was, it was a disaster. It was, it was, it it was a three quarter inch plywood, you know, it was some good strong stuff there too. That was pretty thoroughly smashed uh, for our audience that's called a humble brag <laughs> caleb just wants to let everyone know he can break three <laughs> can break three quarter inch plywood so. no slamming it to the ground just yes uh so well that's that, that's a pretty goofy fail right like i failed at the drawer what, what do you got jake um i'm a pretty competitive guy <laughs> uh, I, th- I think we both are yes, anybody that's met guy. us uh if you've ever lost at something that you should not have lost. Uh, it's even worse. I'm not admitting that. So uh, if you know know my oldest kid, Asher, who's nine, about to turn 10, uh, yeah. his grandpa has been teaching him chess. Uh, Shauna's dad has been teaching him chess. The pointy one and the Yeah. And I, castle. because like most things, I, I don't like to look like an idiot. So I've <laughs> at least tried to be adequate at most things I do. I had a season in my life where I kind of got into chess and I learned how to play, and I learned how all the pieces moved, and I played a lot of people. Uh, nice. And in my small town circle, I was the best at chess. No way. Oh, are you serious? But no one played chess in my small town <laughs> circle. So it would be it would be how, Jake. How many people played chess? I played 
probably eight or ten people in my class. I'd bring my chessboard to class, like sixth grade, <laughs> and we'd play chess. In your briefcase? Like, yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> Do you have a bow tie on? Yeah, 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 probably. <laughs> oh, uh, also, inside information, Joe Perkins also was on the chess team. He was on the chess team <laughs> as an alternate. As an alternate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got to ask him about his chess career yes. sometime. Well, recently we just got back from a mission trip where I went without my family. And okay. I was trying to be a good dad, bringing gifts home to my kid. And I brought Asher a little chessboard, a little hand-carved cool. chessboard, and we started playing. And I was like, oh, cool. I, I also firmly believe you don't let your kids win. No, no. Like, it's – I'm going to beat Asher at chess. Can, can I interrupt you one yeah, time? Yeah, please just, do. Uh, so I, I uh, ran with my son, like like a full mile. Uh, this was a couple years ago. And he's six now, so he was like four or five. So it was a big deal. And I wanted him to make sure he felt good about himself at the end. So I let him win by like two or three steps, whatever, you know. He hasn't shut up about it since. This is why you can't let kids win anything. It gives them a false sense of confidence <laughs> sense as of confidence. to their own abilities. Our wives here's, are rolling their eyes. Here's my right four now. and five-year-old son be like, dude, dad, I'm faster than you. I beat you. And I was like, dude, no, stop. At least he's got self-confidence. Well, so I bring this chessboard home, right? And Asher and I set it up. And we start playing. Right. Uh, and not to let him win. Not to let him win. I, I'm legitimately playing. Right. And I'm like, oh, this kid, this is, you know, he's nine. There's no nine. way I'm going to demolish him. <laughs> I get 10, 12, 15 moves in. And I'm kind of recognizing Asher is totally focused. <laughs> and if you know Asher, Which is, yeah. he's never totally focused. <laughs> unless it's like Minecraft or the book he's reading or clearly Perfect. chess. Uh, and slowly and methodically, he absolutely just <laughs> destroys me at chess to the point to the point <laughs> where I, I couldn't let it go and so for two or three weeks after that i downloaded an app on my phone that taught me how to play chess and i've been practicing <laughs> uh and just the other night you know here's my humble brag i beat my <laughs> nine-year-old i be beat my nine-year-old at chess wow i couldn't handle the failure <laughs> i couldn't handle the failure yeah 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 so, <laughs> that's amazing I, I i think the point is we know what it's like to fail. And those are silly ways, but yeah, yeah. I, I think we know what it's like to fail in big ways. I'll, I'll just share uh, just one of my bigger failures. In, in college, mm. got married at 19. We had kids pretty early. We, we planned on Asher. Uh, Emma, Emma was a great surprise. Hmm. And so I had to, you know, legit work sounds mean to college kids who are actually working and waiting tables, but I had to go and, like, find a job that was right. going to pay the bills uh, and, and support my family at the same time being class. And so... I went and applied at this juvenile detention center. I thought this would be a great hmm. idea. And, and I enjoyed it. You know, right. I was essentially a, a prison guard, essentially. Uh, a year into this, and they teach you how to do a bunch of things, and, and you're working with some pretty rough kids. Uh, they teach you how to restrain kids. Hmm. And by restrain, you know, you, you take them to the ground, you might have to handcuff them, things like that. Uh, and it could be anywhere from like a 13 to a 19-year-old. Hmm. Essentially, it was the last step before prison. Nice. Uh, and so this day came where this... This kid who was pretty notorious, um, the only reason he wasn't in, in full full on prison is because he wasn't old enough. He was 15 years old. Um, but he had been a violent criminal to this mm. point. Uh, and at, at this point, he was being again. So I, I got called to basically the dorm he was living in. He was uh, really kind of in a riot, kind of stayed. He was fighting people. He had, he had hit one of the older ladies on the unit who was, mm. you know, kind of the dorm mom there. Uh, and when I took him down... Uh, he wasn't a really big guy, and if you know me, I'm, I'm pretty hmm. tall. I, 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 the restraint that I was supposed to do went wrong, hmm. and he ended up landing kind of on his shoulder and kind of like ear, kind of, you know, he just kind of hit the ground pretty hard, uh, and it broke his collarbone. Hmm. Uh, 
It was it was a it was a bad situation. Hmm. And any way that you looked at the camera, it looked like a full grown man hurting a kid. Hmm. Uh, and honestly, I dealt with some shame and some guilt in that. But following up on that, for the next two months, uh, I was basically put on leave, and it was the first and only job I've ever been fired from. Uh, and as guys who find really their identity and the things that they do and being good and adequate, you know, and want to know, do I have what it takes? Hmm. That was a big failure in life for me. I remember, like, I didn't go home to my wife. I went home to one of my, men- I went to a mentor in tears being like, what do I do next? And he walked hmm. me through some of those steps. But I'll never forget it. I'll never hmm. forget the failure, the letting down of my family, the letting down of myself, the the guilt and the shame from from doing something that you know, was pretty a mess. I mean, I deserved to be fired in that hmm. moment. Um, big failures. That's rough. That's yeah, rough. Well, yeah. I, Caleb, I just knowing you. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you've had one of the more public failures of anyone I know. <laughs> so uh, we uh, uh, we started. You you mentioned earlier, like pastors um, giving them permission to fail, and I. I think that's a huge thing is that we do fail. But at the other side of that, pastors as leaders are called to a higher level of accountability. And biblically I do, called. Biblically called yeah. to a higher level of accountability. And I was, I internally knew I was struggling with uh, some issues that I was not addressing in a healthy way. That I was not, I, I felt like I couldn't even admit what I was struggling with because then I would lose my job. You know, it it would, it would immediately destroy everything. And I loved my job. I loved being a pastor. I I was a youth pastor at the time. Uh, Loved it. I loved the kids I worked with. I loved the adults I worked with. I loved the church I was at. And I knew that I was kind of living a a double life there, a little bit of a lie. And uh, I remember very clearly, very vividly, um, I'm not super charismatic. Uh, you know this about me, people that know this. Uh, so anytime somebody says, oh, God talked to me, I'm super skeptical of that. Yeah. But like whenever God has, I feel like very directly spoken to my heart, it's all been super, <laughs> I say stupid things, super simple, just real things. Hey, knucklehead, he's knocking on your skull. Yeah. Kind of oh, <laughs> goodness hey, gracious. It's like that. Uh, it's one word a lot of times. Um, but this one, I remember just, being torn up in my soul and, and, uh, just praying about stuff. And, and God came to me and said, Caleb, do you love me? Like with Peter. Mm. And, uh, and I said, yes. He said, then resign. And, uh, yeah, I would love to say, oh, I just fell on my face and, and walked down, uh, literally from the hill that I was on and, and went and obeyed. But no, it took me uh, five or six months of wrestling with this. Uh, at the time, my wife was pregnant with our firstborn child. And so to, to, so not only am I dealing with this spiritual failure, but then I, on top of that, I know that uh, if I confess this and admit this issue, I, I need to take a step back from my job, my career, what I'd gone to school for, what I'd built my life around. Um, and then leaving my wife and newborn baby uh, without a father as a provider. Um, not that they'd be without a father, but just not, I, I wouldn't be able to provide for them and take care of them. 
Um, so long story short, uh, I did ev- eventually, God broke me down to the point where I did confess this. Uh, everything happened exactly as I thought it would. I, I turned in my letter of resignation. The church accepted it, rightfully so. And then I, I stood up in front of the, well, started with the pastor, then the deacon board, then my my uh, uh, youth leaders, and then stood up in front of the church and publicly confessed my failure and sin. And um, it was <laughs> a day I will never forget, uh, both from the heartbrokenness that was there and that deep sense of brokenness and failure. And then also just after I did that, there was a line out the back of the church for people waiting to greet me and to hug me and to love my wife and I and say, we love you, we're praying for you. Get up and do better. And I think that's... I think it's what we're trying to get at. Yeah. I, two things, Caleb, if I, if I could. One, yeah. like, I, I, I wasn't here for the story. You know, I, w- I didn't know you at the time, mm-hmm. but... Like the courage and the willingness to listen to God, guys, that's always a scary thing, especially in the middle of failure. I just, I'm sure you've been told you don't want to be, you know, be pumped up or anything about it, but I'm always impressed by that. And two, we've, we just talked about this the other day in one of our office conversations that we're trying <laughs> to bring to the podcast, but right. your vulnerability allowed others to practice vulnerability in the community right back to you right. in your failure. And, and that's what we want this to be about. Don't be an idiot. And so we're going to share ways that we're idiots. (laughs) We fail. And, but we want to inspire you to, to get up and and be better. Uh, One of my favorite books, we're going to talk about uh, at some point in the podcast, we're going to have a conversation about non-realistic fiction, right? Both. Just call it fantasy. It's (laughs) fantasy. It's fun, but it's, it, well, well, we'll get into that in a future podcast, but uh, there's a fantasy series that I super love, and I talk about it with anybody else that I can get to come read it. Uh, but in it, there is a, a character who has some huge epic failures uh, that I could deeply relate to. Mm. Um, he, he's a character that I just so deeply related to. But in, in one of the books, he, he makes this statement that I is, I mean, it almost brings me to tears every time I every time I hear it. It says, "I will take responsibility for what I've done, and if I must fall, I will rise each time a better man." And that's what "Don't Be an Idiot" is all about: yeah. getting back up. Uh, that's where we want to go with the, the the inspiring. Like, get up and do better. It's okay. That's kind of the whole point of the gospel, right? I, I think so. I think when you're looking at the gospel and you're looking at interactions that Jesus has with people in the New Testament, hmm. he's often meeting them at their failure points. Uh, you know, if you've seen The Chosen, I love the interaction that how they depicted with Matthew. Hmm. Matthew, who I, I think could not have been living without some kind of frustration, anger, guilt, shame, all of this. Oh, that absolutely. He's doing the job he's doing as a tax collector, as a, um, you know, he was an, a traitor to his people. Yeah, yeah, fill us in a little bit on who Matthew is. Yeah, yeah, Matthew, one of the, you know, one of the twelve disciples. You know, he was a tax collector, which at the time would have been a total, 
total traitor to his people. I mean, you can almost imagine if someone comes and overthrows our country, makes us start living by their rules, how frustrated would you be at that, that power of people? And then you, you're one of your friends, one of your community members looks around and says, you know what, I'm going to go work for the country who is taxing me now unfairly, unjustly, and I'm not only going to work for them, but I'm going to get rich on them, uh, <laughs> off of, or, or get rich from them, from my people's money. I mean, it's, I, I think we undersell how much of a spit in the face it was to be a, you know, to be yeah. a tax collector. Yeah. And that's where Jesus meets him. And, and that's just one story. He, another tax collector, Zacchaeus, met mm. him in his failure. You know, you're talking about the woman where he draws the line in the sand, where she's thrown out. Mm. You talk about any of the disciples, like e- even the disciples that he chose they would have failed in becoming what they were trying to be, students of a rabbi. Like, they mm. were kind of sent back to the jobs of the fathers. They all would have wanted to be disciples of some big rabbi. Mm. Like, that was the dream of a Jewish boy. Uh, Jesus is so much about finding the people who you don't expect. And oftentimes, those are at failure points. So, so then what what role do you see failure in the role of uh, discipleship, of coming to Christ? Like, What's the role there? Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it almost sounds like a high school football coach, right? Like we fail because we get better. And every time we <laughs> fail, we get better. Uh, Paul says uh, in the New Testament, like, I keep doing the things I don't want to do. And I don't do the things that I know I'm supposed to do. But he's also, you know, all through the new, his letters talking about this word sanctification. And it's this idea that God is continuously making his followers better. And it's through that failure that the Holy Spirit uses and convicts and shows you and points out like, hey, this is not what a follower of Jesus is supposed to look like. Right. Like, stand up, walk towards me. And it's not like a yelling stand up. He's like, he's picking you up <laughs> off the ground, dusting you off and saying, walk with me. Uh, we've often laughed at that uh, footprints in the sand. Story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This really dorky Christian thing. Uh, it's turned into dorky, but it's a really beautiful picture of the gospel. Yeah, yeah. It just share the po- uh, not, uh, Yeah, here. Uh, keep talking and I'll look up the actual poem. <laughs> look up the actual poem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, as I see Christians and popular past pastors and, you know, they really get, you know, in this age of social media, they get kind of torched online. And when I mean, <laughs> like, they're really just shamed and ridiculed. I often think, I was like, why are we not having grace for the people God's called us to have grace for and grace for each other? If my wife shamed me for every one of my failures i would be in a <laughs> terrible marriage I, I, or if, if my kids kept a tally of every time i failed as a dad this would be rough but this this core christian idea of forgiveness and looking at failure and saying that's okay it might be even the parable jesus told about the prodigal son like what an epic failure of this young son right. who really just said, Dad, I don't care about you anymore. I'd rather you be mm. dead. Took the money mm-hmm. and ran. And then had an epic failure that we could have all predicted. That the dad <laughs> yeah. predicted. Normal and, uh, normal and expected, right? Yes. And the dad was there waiting at home, expecting the failure, mm. but ready there with open arms and giving grace and love back to it. Hey, I want to want to read this poem, but I want to circle back to that parable yeah, when, yeah, when, when after we get back. So th- this is a uh, footprints in the sand. It's a Christian cliche poem, but it's honestly really good. One night I dreamed a dream. I was walking across the beach with my Lord, and across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of pr- footprints on the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. When the last scene of my life shot before me, and I looked back. At the footprints in the sand, there was only one set of footprints. I realized that this was the lowest and saddest times of my life. This always bothered me. 
And I questioned the Lord about my dilemma. Lord, you told me that when I decided to follow you, that you would walk and talk with me all the way. But I'm aware that during the most troublesome times in my life, there's just one set of footprints. I just don't understand why, when I needed you most, you leave me. All I can think of here when I, when I read this is all of the Psalms, like, uh, <laughs> like half of the Psalms are this exact thing. So this is a deeply, like David is crying out, why he's the have original you left? emo. Yeah. He's, <laughs> yeah so. And God responds. He, re- he whispers, my precious child, I love you and I will never leave you. Never, ever during your trials and your testings. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. That's what it, it's all about, is getting to that point where you're broken before God. And uh, in that parable, the youngest son, the prodigal son, the one we talk about, we call it the story of the prodigal son, but it's really the parable of the two sons. Mm-hmm. Because one reaches his failure point, where his failure is in his face and obvious. He is eating uh, slop with the pigs, right? Like, he can't deny reality anymore. But there's another brother, and that brother is continuing to deny reality. And the story ends with this other brother sitting outside of the party, refusing to come in. And that's where I think when we don't get to the point of failure, when failure isn't in our face, when we haven't realized that we've been an idiot, (laughs) when we haven't acknowledged our own failures, that's where we end up. And Jesus actually told this story to the Pharisees saying, you're the older brother. You're being an idiot. You're being an idiot. You have also failed. Quit pretending you haven't And, and sitting on the outside of the party. Uh, there's, uh, Jesus says another story. Actually, he uses an object lesson. There's a Pharisee praying and he's praying, Oh Lord, I just thank you that I am so amazing and awesome. Uh, how wonderful I am. And I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that guy over there. And that guy over there is, is a sinner who's come face to face with the sin. It's like, Oh God, I am desperately in need of you. Desperately. And he's beating his chest and said, Oh God, please forgive me. And Jesus looks at them and says, which of these guys do you think is forgiven? Which of these guys do you think experienced grace? Which of them do you think is actually getting back up and moving more towards becoming in my image and likeness? Can I, like, do the, the total Western thing and give application points to that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, you know, conversations that inspire. So no, Yeah, exactly. Go, go, go. Like, two, two things that are just really pointing out to me about that is, one, like, mm. recognize that in your failure, while you might feel guilt hmm. the shame is not of god i think i think oftentimes god will be like hey like this is not okay and there's some natural guilt that comes from that especially as believers oh that could be a whole podcast it could be guilt could be. versus shame there. but my favorite part about the prodigal sons mm-hmm. <laughs> sons not son is the older son like while the father to the younger son was just all love and grace and mm. like, because the son recognized his failure yes to the older son this is for mm-hmm. us Christians as well. When we're vulnerable with each other, sometimes this, the, the dad goes and says, hey, kindly and as softly as he could, like, hey, yeah. you're an idiot. Yeah. Uh, Caleb and I often do this to each other. Like, hey, <laughs> like you're doing the exact wrong thing. Like he's a guy in my life that even when it makes me mad, he says, hey, you're, this is wrong. I'll give it a second thought and I'll come back to it. Yeah. 
you and need, I may and I may be wrong. I, be. I may I may yeah. be incorrect in my assessment, right? You might be. Uh, but I think part of living a Christian life in mm. Christian community is one, you don't just you yes, you allow your brother, your sister to fail. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you both help them out of it or point them it pointed out in them if they don't realize it. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes that sounds judgy. Um, oh, absolutely. Which could also be a whole other podcast <laughs> about judging it. Yeah, so. well, uh, one of the – so there's a couple of big categories. Obviously, we're two pastors. We're Christians. We believe in Jesus Christ deeply, and it's because we believe in Jesus that we're pastors. It's not the other way around. Oh, 100%. Uh, so with with that, this, this podcast is going to be very focused on that. It's going to be gospel-heavy because, honestly, that's what it's all about. Uh, a subset of that would be Christian ministry and then – Honestly, we're both two dads trying the best we can to not be an idiot and raise our two young kids. So this whole idea of failure for our kids, for me as I parent, is a big deal. Because I want to tell my kids all the time, like, failure is good because it means it's you're trying something new. Uh, I have three young kids, um, and my middle son often gets really frustrated because he's not good at it instantly. And I have to keep telling it, why would you expect to be good at You've literally never done this before. And it's kind of the same thing with the Christian life, right? Like, why are we expecting to do this perfectly? We're born in sin, <laughs> lived in yes. sin, died in sin. Like, hey, it's apart from grace, that's what we are. Uh, you, you mentioned sanctification earlier, and that's, uh, we're, get up and do better. Acknowledge it. It's real. It's true. Your yeah. failure is real. But just get up and do better. That's why I love that quote. Dwight's all like, <laughs> yeah. uh, not that quote, the, the Dwight quote, because he's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, every day I ask myself, would an idiot do this <laughs> thing? Uh, and if not, then I don't do that thing. And I'm like, that's a formula I can live by. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's simple, clear, direct. <laughs> clear. So I guess I, as we wrap up this first episode, this is kind of an introduction episode, and it, it really lays the groundwork for, for what we want to talk about as a podcast is don't be an idiot. Get up and do better. God's working. God is working, and he's going to be doing some cool things. So we just want to invite you in these conversations. Uh, wherever you're listening to this, uh, you know, really this is for our direct community, but if this leaks outside of that, that's cool too. I uh, just mm. invite you in on two imperfect pastors trying to <laughs> figure it out uh, in a community that we love and we cherish. Absolutely. So, hey, so when you fail today, maybe think about, what God is expecting of you, and at the same time, what God has done for you and the grace that he offers. So that's all we have for today, and don't be an idiot. So until next time, I guess don't be an idiot.